This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use code CHGO when you sign up for two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. We are coming to you on Monday morning, May 30th, and we are here to talk about a few games Over the weekend with the Chicago White Sox, the Cubs and Sox splitting this last brief set of the Crosstown Classic, and we will also talk about all of the moving parts with the Cubs roster and other things going on that we saw over the weekend. Hope you are enjoying your long weekend, whatever you are doing and wherever you are listening to us. Brendan, my my main sentiment, right? The Cubs split with the White Sox. They they win the first game. Uh, just a sort of mess of a game on Sunday. If you looked at the pitching lines for Marcus Stroman and Dylan Cease on Sunday, you would have no idea how that game like actually unfolded uh, the rest of the afternoon. But the the main takeaway for me, honestly, and I'm not even really throwing shade. Um, I, if I were the a White Sox fan, I would be rather concerned with. They had to scratch and claw to win that game on Sunday, to split with the Cubs. And those two teams are not exactly in the the same spot competitively, right? It does remind you just how difficult it is to get through a full season like with health and to be clicking all cylinders. Rebuilds are hard. They're difficult. And to see Tim Anderson go down like that is unfortunate for the White Sox. It's unfortunate for the game of baseball, yeah. It is. And so it reminded me like just how sacred and how fortunate we were during 2016, where basically nothing went wrong. Like there were a few injuries here and there, one with Dexter Fowler, for example. But like for the most part, we cruised through and that's not the case. And it reminded me like, you know, you have to take those seasons and always constantly remind yourself of how good they were. Yeah, you, you, you can't take anything for granted, and, and it, is a, it is a reminder. Like, uh, this, when I say rebuilds are hard, I mean, you can load up a, a lot of prospects. You can be ready to go on that kind of peak of your contention window, and it, it doesn't always pan out with you just, you know, throwing a no. parade and winning the World Series. It's tough. Um, no, you know, the, the Sox are very young, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, Brendan, it was just such a stark contrast. Like the Cubs lose by 15 to the Reds and then it's a super competitive weekend on the South side of Chicago. It just, I I, know. you know, it's just like, man, I, if, if I were a Sox fan, I would have, uh, kind of hoped that this was a little easier, but, uh, yeah. I'm not a Sox fan. And instead we're talking about a bad Cubs team. So everybody wins, right? Everybody's happy this weekend, I think, there you go. Uh, yeah. is the lesson. Yeah. So let's, uh, we'll run through these real quick, and then we have plenty to talk about. On Saturday, it was a 5-1 to one win for the Chicago Cubs over the White Sox. The Cubs getting five innings from Keegan Thompson, five hits, one earned run, one walk, and four strikeouts. He allows just a solo home run for the uh, run in his game. Keegan improves to 5-0 and with a 1.58 ERA, Brendan. He threw 77 mm. pitches in this game. We will certainly dive in to the numbers oh, yeah. there in a moment with the pitch doctor, Brendan Miller. The Cubs getting their five runs in this one on a Patrick Wisdom double, a Frank Schwindel single, an Andrelton Simmons RBI ground out, a Patrick Wisdom ground out, and a Frank Schwindel single. So both Frank and Patrick Schwisdom as they were uh, driving in a couple of runs each the Cubs beating Johnny Cueto in this one and then on Sunday 
It was a 5-4 to four loss, the White Sox picking up this one to get back to 500 on the year, the Cubs falling to 19-27. and 27. Both starting pitchers very good in this game. Marcus Stroman for the Cubs, seven innings, three hits, zero earned runs, two walks, and two strikeouts. Uh, seven innings of shutout ball for Dylan Cease as well as the Cubs get a look at him, four walks and five strikeouts for Cease. And this one was decided in extras. So the Cubs and White Sox uh, trade runs. The White Sox tied this game in the bottom of the ninth. Both teams scored twice in the 10th. Both teams scored once in the 11th, and only the White Sox scored once in the 12th. That is your 5-4 to four final. Uh, the White Sox making two errors in this game. The Cubs making one error in this game. It was a, a pretty sloppy game for the most. Christopher Morrell mm-hmm. had an RBI single in the 10th inning in the 11th. Alfonso Rivas had a sack fly, and that, of course, is the last run that the Cubs scored. So that that was that. But uh, where I want to start, Brendan, there, there's a ton to go over here, but the first two things I want to talk about are the two starting pitchers that we saw in this series, and I want to start with Marcus Stroman. Uh, Marcus Stroman was fantastic on Sunday, exactly the the pitcher that you brought him in to be, and I'll let you dive into exactly how he went about things. I know you probably want to talk about his defensive exploits as well on Sunday. Uh, We knew he was a great athlete, but that was really on display on Sunday, but what really stands out for me, Brendan, is this run that he has been on. So on April 20th, 420, if you will, against the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, four and a third, he gave up seven earned runs in that game. Okay, so I, I, I point that out as a placeholder. Now let's go since that date, right? April 26th against Atlanta, six innings, two earned runs. May 1st against Milwaukee, seven innings, no earned runs. May 19th against Arizona, so you obviously have that break where he was on the IL. Came back, five innings, two earned runs. The 24th of May against Cincinnati, five innings, two earned runs. And then on Sunday, May 29th against the White Sox, seven innings, zero earned runs. That's a hell of a stretch for Marcus Stroman, Brendan. And I certainly hope, I know our pal Cody uh, has been on this. Like, I certainly hope you didn't let some cold, rainy starts at the beginning of the year sour your opinion on Stroman and and the contract that he's on, right, for this year and at least for next year, depending on how those options play out after that. But the last several starts here, this is Marcus Stroman. This is Marcus Stroman indeed. And this season has been a little odd because maybe as a fan and as we've been reading comments and and talking with you know a lot of people, the sentiment was that he would start off better, and he didn't, and that's fine. But when you look at the overall bulk numbers, everything aligns well with his career rates and his strikeout rate, his walk rate, now his FIP and ERA. Everything is what you are paying for at this point. And with Marcus, he's been basically the same guy as he's been last year in terms of like the pitches he's throwing and the way he's going about getting his outs. But there has been one stark contrast that showed up again in that start against the White Sox. And in fact, the big star contrast was on display when he struck out Reese McGuire in the seventh inning to preserve that brief lead. And that is his cutter. So I don't know what his intention is with this cutter, Corey, but in years past, he threw that pitch a lot, and he's still doing that right now, maybe like once every 
you know, five pitches or so, give or take. But in years past, that cutter was a little bit more sharp. It didn't have as much depth as it has right now. And what I mean by that is with that cutter, he had about 28 to 30 inches of vertical break on that pitch in previous seasons. This year is almost 35 inches. And that, that is a huge difference. And you saw that when he struck out McGuire in the seventh inning, that particular cutter had 40 inches of vertical break, which is very similar actually to a slider. But the difference is that the slider has about four miles per hour slower velocity and has more horizontal braking action. And so I'm I'm wondering with Marcus, is he doing this intentionally with his cutter? Maybe I thought that was like a bad thing because maybe you wanted more of a sharper breaking cutter I, I don't know, but he had success with it today, and he's had success with it recently. Um, he has more whips per swing on that pitch than he's ever had at any one point in his career, and it's fascinating because it reminds me of what Keegan Thompson was doing, which we'll, we'll get into Keegan in this podcast, but if you might recall, we were talking about Keegan's changeup and cutter and how they had the exact same vertical break, those two pitches. The same now can be said about Marcus Stroman's cutter and splitter. Both those pitches now have the exact same vertical break, and I'm wondering if that was the intention or not. So maybe we'll be able to find out in the next few weeks here by, you know, talking with him or getting more insight if he just, you know, brings it up naturally. But that that is the big takeaway from his start, I think, from the season is that pitch is very different than the years past. Yeah, I well, and the it, it's just a pleasure to watch him work. I mean, I especially yeah. he's an artist, man. He, he's so fun to yeah, watch. Yeah, and it's it's nice to see him finding that groove, his enthusiasm out there on the mound. He had some really uh, nice, you know, sort of emotional reactions, like on that that play that Patrick Wisdom made when he was the kind defense, of short yeah. when they were shifted over. He he's just a, a pleasure to watch, and I hope at at some point, Brendan, that we get to watch him do his thing in like the heat of a pennant race, right? Because you can just tell that he's the type of guy that we're all going to be really hyped up for and is is going to kind of like bring in the energy of the fan base like that. Yeah, in like three more months, we'll see it. Right. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to schedule a psych evaluation for you after we get off the air here. But okay. yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just, it's a really nice run and his numbers, again, you can't take out those early starts, but I think there was obviously some context there that you would want to pay attention to the, the sort of coming out of the lockout, the weather here and in, in, in a lot of the games that he was pitching in. And you just look at this stretch Colorado, yeah. that he's on for the last five starts and it's just really good. And in the month of May alone, a 21 to five, uh, K to walk ratio. Um, he's keeping the ball only one homer allowed in the month of May. He's keeping the ball in the park. Um, you have a couple of those starts where they're just five innings, but again, those were the, the first two starts where he was coming back from the injured list. So he comes back here on Sunday, goes seven innings. The start before he went on the IL was seven innings. So he's really doing everything that you want him to be doing. He's generating ground ground balls, weak contact. He's getting whiffs. He's going deep into games. This is what you signed him for. You know, this is exactly yeah. the type of pitcher that you thought you were signing. This is exactly why Jed and the front office went out and got the premier starting pitcher on the market. And, um, yeah. you know, again, like I, I wish it were uh, for a, a team that were playing better, but he's doing he's holding up his end of the bargain. No doubt. I am surprised, too, just how good his defense is. We we heard it was good before he signed with the Cubs. But seeing it on display, Corey, like, I can't recall in my mind a better defensive pitcher, honestly. And I know, like, you have Greg Maddox and all those, you know, 
Hall of Famers and, and their defense performances. But seriously, I, I think Strowman might be the best defensive pitcher I've ever seen. The plays he made in Sunday's game, you know, off of those short little dribblers to his right side right. and and like, you know, going to third base on right. the, the bunt attempt. I mean, you you don't see many guys do that with ease. There was one comebacker right at him that was hit fairly hard. And I laughed because once he picked it up, he kind of like shoveled the ball out of his glove. Like, yeah, like I just did that, that type of attitude and persona. He is unreal, Corey. He could legitimately play the middle infield, and you would not know if he were a professional middle infielder or a professional starting pitcher. That's how good he is out there. Yeah, I, we knew that he had that. I remember there was a play when he was on the Mets last year after the Mets had acquired uh, Javi Baez where the two of them combined, I think, for a play at third base that made the the highlight rounds. And, and what mm. stands out in it, especially – you know, you're talking about that play, fielding the bunt and, and throwing out the runner at third late in this Sunday game with the White Sox. Like, he's savvy. He he knows what's going yes. on on the field. There are a lot of times where you're, you know, pitchers are, they, they obviously have a specific job and they're focused on that job. And sometimes when they they field the ball, they, they seem kind of lost, right? And we see yeah, he knows what terrible he's doing right throws. Away. Like, he, he is not only does he know what he's doing and he's an athlete, he's thinking steps ahead, right? Like, he is yeah, craving he is. outs, and he's thinking of how to get them. And you, you see that on display there on Sunday. Um, the Cubs have had some really good defensive uh, pitchers, though. You remember, like, all those times where Kerry Wood would field the ball behind his back? He did that a few times. True. Um, he was a Very good one. True. Greg Maddox yeah. is obviously sort of the— Of course. The, the consummate uh, fielding pitcher, I think. I mean, even Kyle Hendricks is great defensively, too. Yeah. So, so we've had the benefit of seeing— John, Le- John Lester. John Lester. <laughs> listen. Uh, <laughs> listen. <laughs> name pick any of those other guys and tell me which one of them has thrown their entire <laughs> glove with the ball stuck in it over to first base to get an out john lester also not just once too multiple times yeah well and john lester also tommy fam is in the news a lot lately with jock peterson yeah. some of us i'm not naming any names have been picked off uh-huh. by john lester uh not just tommy yeah. fam ryan braun also picked off by john lester yeah he had a unique yeah. style. A great, a great pickoff you know? move. Yeah, throw the ball into the dirt, bounce pass to Anthony Rizzo or yeah. Chris Bryant. It's a great play. Yeah. It works. Yeah, love it. It does. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, that, like that's that's the deal with Stroman. I mean, this, this was a really strong showing, and it's exciting to watch him do his thing. And I, I, I saw, you know, some of the discussion on Sunday as well. Like, you know, again, like remember, like he is uh, at least under contract for 2023, so him pitching like this and settling into being a Chicago Cub and working on all of the new Huge stuff. Huge implications. It's, it's a big deal, right? Because you're mm-hmm. if you're already looking ahead to 2023, for all intents and purposes, like maybe you make some other additions, you move things around, but he's likely your guy. Like he's going to be the, yeah. the ace or at least one of the top two starters. Uh, it'd be cool if, if, they, if they get enough people that push him down, right? That'd be great. Uh, but he's going to be top of the pack next year. So you want him to settle in, do his thing, and, and sort of build this rapport with, with the Cubs and their fans and this front office and this this pitching infrastructure, and it looks like he's doing that. 
Yeah. Okay, quick break here from our sponsor, PointsBet, the best way to support CHGO. So download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. If you have any questions, email PointsBet at allCHGO.com. We'll help you out. Remember, that's PointsBet is your home for live in-game same betting. They even have a new New exclusive feature, live NBA same game parlay. For the first time ever, build the perfect live same game parlay only with points bet. Combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. You can even boost your live game same game parlays. And now online signup is available in Illinois. Now actually download the points bet app right now and register your account. From start to finish, all from your phone, signing up with the fastest sports book is now easier than ever. So you can start living your bet life in seconds. Use code CHGO to get two risk-free bets up to 2000 bucks. So what are you waiting for once the game starts? Don't just bet. Live your bet life with points bet. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4 and don't forget to continue supporting everything going on at CHGO. Of course, podcasts and live shows, every team, every day, post-game shows, and premium written content for all members when you sign up at allchgo.com. You get a free shirt and access to the members-only Discord when you sign up at allchgo.com, and you will be able to check out all of the great work uh, from our guys Ryan Herrera, Jared Willis, and, of course, uh, Brendan Miller, who I am talking to on this podcast right now. It's you. Thank you. That's you in the ad read. It's me. I know. Look at that. Um, Okay, so let's talk about Keegan Thompson. Uh, Okay. This this continues to be a rather interesting development, Brendan, um, because he's just really good. Um kind of ran out of gas a little bit toward the end of this start on Sunday, but part of me doesn't want to read too much into that because he hasn't been a starter the whole year, right? So he's throwing 77 pitches, and I think with the way the game was going, it it seemed risky to send him back out there, right, Uh, to head back out in this game for for the last uh, body of work that he went out for. Um but, you know, he gets through it. Um, but still, like, this is a guy who has been in shorter roles, stretched out a little bit, shorter roles, stretched out again. So him not necessarily being able to go six, seven, eight innings, throw 100 pitches, like, I, I, I'm not really worried about that because that would be kind of astounding if he was able to just convert that quickly from one or two innings to now he is throwing complete game shutouts, right? Like, that's not easy. Like, Mm -hmm. sometimes it takes weeks, months to stretch guys out, like, fully to that point. So I don't really care about that. What I care about is that he continues to do what I've been saying this, this whole time, and of course everybody's pointing out, he's just getting outs, man. It doesn't matter what they're asking him to do. Start, relief, open. It doesn't matter. He's just getting out. I mean, a 1.58 ERA with all of the innings that he's thrown this year in multiple different roles is a big deal for the development Huge. of this team. And and we continue and we'll probably continue to debate what his role or job is, is going yeah. to look like probably for the rest of the year. I mean, maybe we'll have a solid answer on that, but I would guess we'll probably head into spring training next year and wait for them to tell us exactly what he's going to be doing. But 40 mm-hmm. innings on the year with a 1.58 ERA 
like if you look on like baseball reference, we're a Fangraphs war family. Um, we are, yep. But for the sake of like statistics, because it's fun and it fits my narrative that I'm spitting right now, <laughs> if you look at B War on baseball reference, like he's one of the most valuable pitchers in the league. Keegan Thompson yeah, of the has, Chicago Cubs. He has the second best ERA in the league, Corey. Second best. Keegan Thompson on the Cubs doing this. So really, I mean, beyond impressive and exceeding my expectations. And I, I believe most expectations, if you had Keegan Thompson being a top three pitcher by ERA and war, like, you know, you got to start gambling more, I guess. But his quotes, Corey, I don't know if you saw this after his start against the White Sox, but they stood out to me because he essentially said he got lucky, <laughs> which uh, kind of reminded me is sometimes when you watched Jake Arrieta throw, they're very different pitchers. I'm not comparing the two based on that. But there were times where Jake Arrieta did not have that command, but his stuff was so good, he got away with it. And I wonder if we're starting to see Keegan Thompson now who's used to being locked in and having good command and having uh, you know, a breaking pitch with horizontal movement better than most guys in the league, that now the expectations for him personally are so high that when he's off a little bit, it's not acceptable to his own standards. And the quote that he gave, I'll, I'll read it here, quote, uh, Honestly, not much of anything was working. I feel like I was kind of all over the place and not really hitting a ton of spots. I just got really lucky, end quote. I mean, you know, you watch that game, you see those cutters and those curveballs. They, they were moving, and granted, the command was not there, especially with some of those uh, four-seam fastballs, but the stuff just looked really good. And his pitch breakdown was still impressive, I think encouraging. He threw Corey again, five different pitch types and he did rely more so on those four seams and cutters whereas in the previous start before his White Sox start uh, he did throw more change-ups that wasn't the case against the White Sox so he only threw four change-ups and 77 pitches for a five percent rate whereas he threw 14 percent change-ups in his previous start but I think that's just because he didn't have the feel for his dominant pitches as he was saying he got lucky but he still showcased those other offerings, which is encouraging to me because at least it signals that it's in his playbook, like it's in his intention to throw those pitch types. And if things were clicking and he were able to have better command, my thinking is those change-ups would have popped out a little bit more. And he also threw six sinkers. He threw one sinker in his previous outing. So he did throw in total of his 77 pitches a sum of 10 sinkers and change-ups, and that, that's that's interesting. So five total pitch types, and then the rest, were, of course, were curveballs, cutters, and four-seams, and he still got nine whiffs overall, six of those against four-seams, the other three with the cutter. So even when he's not at his best, he was getting whiffs, he was getting weak contact, command was not sharp, and he was not able to go beyond 80 pitches, but to your point, you know, he's still not in that full starting pitcher season mode yet. And I do wonder with Wade Miley's injury. Right, that's what I was going to say. Day IL. Yeah, like I feel as if, especially now that we're in June and the trade deadline is approaching, part of me wonders if we're going to see most of Keegan's appearances out of that rotation from here on out. Yeah, the the so Miley um, dealing with some soreness, so that's a bummer. Um it is. Yeah, well, hopefully, you know, it's just a brief stint, um, and he's able to come back, but obviously that's a bummer, especially with the way that he had kind of begun to to be pitching. Um, 
yeah, I mean, we've talked about how valuable the job Keegan Thompson was doing and that shorter term kind of weapon out of the bullpen role was. And I, and I still feel that way. But if the opportunities are aligning for you to continue letting him try this out in these longer starts, I, I don't see why you wouldn't keep doing it, right? Um, yeah. he's, he, I mean, especially at this at, th- at this time too, with the Cubs' competitiveness presumably gone, you know, like I feel as if that's probably the best idea to have an idea of what to expect from Keegan in twenty twenty three. Yeah, and I think it it sort of just goes with a lot of what we've talked about, where just figure it all out, right? Figure out what you have. If you give him a handful of starts going forward here over the next couple months, and you decide, you know what, yeah, like getting over that hump. We don't. We don't. We we like it better out of the bullpen. Okay, fine. Right. Clearly, the guy can get outs, and he can do it really successfully to a, a high degree. So now it's just about using the rest of this season to again figure out that role. And the opportunity has presented itself where you don't have guys you kind of have to give those starts to. Right. Like you're not. Mm-hmm. If if Wade Miley is healthy, he's pitching. Right. So he's not. So you have these opportunities. So yeah, you might as well continue this and and see what happens. Let Keegan try to throw, you know, maybe 80 plus in his next, work his way up to 90 and see what happens when he starts working through that lineup a a, a third time and getting over 80, 90 pitches. And if the results continue to be good, then okay, you know, pencil in a starter for next year. If not, you already know for the most part that he can be a, a really solid piece out of the bullpen. We saw that in 2021 too. So do you have a definitive answer on that? I, I, you know, I don't know. Some of this stuff is very volatile, yeah, but that's hard. Yeah. this is, you know, we're going on a couple years of a, a sample here. Like, I think it's pretty fair, safe to say the guy can get outs, right? It's just about figuring how many, how often, and how exactly you want to do that. And you look at the way he pitched on Saturday, there's no reason not to just keep throwing him out there and letting him do his thing. Yeah. So a question for you is, once we start getting into the heat of the summer, let's say July and August, and best case scenario, Admiral Azalai is going to be back and healthy, although we don't know the precise role for him this season coming off that injury, let's just assume he's part of that starting pitching discussion. Mm-hmm. Right now, as it stands, there would be six guys in that discussion, not including Wade Miley. And those six guys are Hendricks, Stroman, Steele, uh, Alzolai, Killian, maybe like like lighter, um, and yeah. So you were going to have six different guys in there, and Alec Mills presumably once he comes off that sixty day IL um, in in maybe like August or so. So actually, that's seven guys. Now with what we've seen with Steele and with what we've seen from Alzolai last year, do you maybe move Alzolai to the bullpen? Like, has your uh, preference of even including like Alzelay in this discussion, has it changed seeing Keegan Thompson do so well? Uh, well, I, I I would be surprised at least in the early going if Al, it's going to take Alzelay a, a bit to get up to starter length, right? He's going to mm-hmm. be coming off an injury. He's going to have to ramp up. So I'm not sure when he's well in terms of like predicting like 2023. Sure. Right? I mean, he's yeah. definitely ahead of some of the guys you named. I have very little like whatever on <laughs> lighter junior and alec mills like they they yeah. can contribute to the team perhaps um though lighter yeah. has struggled a bit in the time that he's been up here you know we kind of know who alec mills is at this point um so they're they're not 
bumping anybody for opportunities. Yeah, I just bring those names up just because you don't know like what the intention is with with those sure. guys. If they want to use like you know Alzali or, or Steele or those guys in the bullpen. Just yeah, I mean, purposes. I it, I think Alzali falls in that group of I want to see what he's got. Um, he you know had some struggles in 2021. We've talked a lot about the you know home runs to left-handed pitchers. Developed some pitches when he came back toward the end of the year. Was working out of the bullpen some. So I want to see what they have there. Um, you know, I think Steele is in that spot where he's got to turn, you know, he's got to turn things around, right? He's got to show some better stuff. Um, as far as being a starter, you've talked a lot about, you know, the variety of pitches he throws and, and needing to kind of throw more and be able to execute and things like that. And we, we've also noted, like, he, he has also had success out of the bullpen. If that's where he ends up, that's fine, too. Alzali is a priority to me when he comes back in terms of just like trying to figure out what you have. I think it would be really, and the the injury is what causes this, but going into 2023, still asking this question on Alzali is not great. Unsettling. Yeah. Yeah. If we're still talking about like, can he be a starter? Should he be out of the bullpen, et cetera? That's really not good because the hope, of course, is that you don't have time for that in 2023, right? We yeah. don't know what this offseason is going to bring. We don't know what this trade deadline is going to bring. But we're hoping, right, maybe stupidly, you guys tell me, that the 2023 team goes in with more of an eye on competitiveness in the immediate, you know, timeline, right? So there, there's not going to be a whole lot of time to ask that question with Alzali. Maybe if he's in the five spot, okay, fine, something like that. But like you want that stuff to be shored up by the time we get there. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that by the time he comes back and is able to ramp up to being able to throw that many pitches, work that deep into games. But he would be fairly high on my priority list to figure that out. Well, yeah, I bring that up because I was I was thinking about his timeline and steel and and seeing how well Keegan's pitched lately. I, I feel as if once Alzali is healthy, I, I feel like you have to throw him in that rotation. You right gotta figure because it out. I think you gotta yeah. figure if it out. If he can go, and, you gotta try. Right. So I don't want to do the whole like slowly ramp up thing with Adbear if he is ready to go in July. Like I need to, I need to see a bigger sample of of him because Keegan is pushing that conversation more. And let's say this does continue, right? Then, you know, like, I think there's a legitimate conversation to be had if you do want to be competitive in 2023, if Adber's role is not super imprinted for that for that particular roster, then it changes what you do with Keegan, and it changes what you may go out and do in free agency before the 2023 season. So once Adbert does come back, like I need to see him in the rotation, which means we may have a discussion about, okay, does Steele now get starts taken away? Does Keegan's starts get taken away? Does Killian maybe, you know, go up and down with Iowa. Maybe he's in, he's in kind of a, a weird role as it did with Adbert Alzali last year in, in September out of the bullpen. Like I, I'm just prepping mentally for those conversations to be had because what Keegan's doing with these different pitch types too, unless something crazy happens, Corey, like I'm not, you know, I, I feel as if it's more likely he's going to be good. Like honestly, like maybe not like 1.5 ERA, like top tier good, but at least good enough to keep talking about right. this discussion. Yeah, it's an interesting spot, and it it I it, I think is going to put some pressure. Um, I I would expect that Wade Miley is not 
in this rotation after the trade deadline, so that may open right. up some Andrew stuff. Andrew Smiley, too. Right. I'm, I'm assuming both um, those guys are going, yeah. it, it does put some pressure on a guy like Justin Steele. You know, he had those great outings against the Diamondbacks, but obviously struggled in that outing against the Reds. And mm-hmm. it's not to say that you you give up on letting him start because of one bad start there, but there's just a lot of people competing for these innings. And so he needs to come back, you know, in this next series here and kind of spin things back in the other direction because at some point, and we've talked about this a lot on offense and in the pitching staff, there's only so many opportunities and you don't yeah. have the runway to just do it forever, right? And and sometimes right. that might feel like you're cutting off an opportunity early or maybe not getting as full of a look as you would like in an ideal world, but we don't live in an ideal world, right? Like there's only so many starts to be had and you got to kind of yeah. prioritize those things. But that's, yeah, that's, that's down the road. We, we got to get Alzali healthy and back I'm just, here. I'm just no, it's, it's a good conversation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially yeah. as Keegan yeah. continues to do that. And I think well, yeah. it would be surprising to me if they decided not to see what Keegan has here as a starter. I think that's pretty obvious that they should like continue giving this a look um yeah but yeah we will uh we'll see what they what they have there uh before we get into some of this interesting roster stuff just a a brief uh trivia question for you i don't know if you saw this uh on the fox broadcast okay. i think on, on terrible trivia I'll, I'll we'll see if you can get it go. um okay. but just to highlight someone uh, on the team and then we'll get into some of the okay. younger guys um, I guess that's a clue. Uh, if I asked you who the top three hitters in baseball, I'll give you two of them. I want you to give me the second. The most home okay. runs since May 25th of 2021, May, 2020, May 25th of last year. Number one is okay. Pete Alonzo. Number three is Bryce Harper. You know who number two is in all of Major League Baseball. Oh, I want to say it's, it's Patrick It's Wisdom? Patrick Wisdom. Look at that. Look at that. The Corey. second most yeah, home runs right. since May 25th of 2021. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, he's, I, I, I think for Patrick and Schwindel, they're part of the same conversation, but I'm a little surprised that the, of the two so far to have the success, it is wisdom, just given those underlying whiff problems. But to his credit, man, he's made massive adjustments this season from, uh, an actual like batting stance and mechanical feature to his actual bat and going with that like massive knob on the end of his bat, kind of like a more modern Sammy Sosa type bat. So you got to give him a ton of credit. And he's making those spectacular defensive plays at third base, jumping up and really good arm and everything. He's playing himself into having a significant role for this team, whether it be as a utility player in 2023 or maybe even getting like the better half of a platoon at third base. Yeah, I think it was uh, Brett from Bleacher Nation on Twitter that tweeted out the the graphic from Fox uh, that showed that stat. And he accompanied it with a tweet that, you know, was basically saying like Patrick Wisdom does certain things on the baseball field and he does them really well right? He has some holes. He has some deficiencies. He's not a complete baseball player, but what he does well, he does it really well. And I will tell Mm -hmm. you, like, I don't, I I think if you're looking to win the World Series in 2023, I don't think he should be your starting third baseman, perhaps. Uh, Maybe part of a platoon, you know, whatever it is, right? But there is always going to be room in one way or another, especially when this person plays really good defense 
for a guy who has the second most home runs in baseball over the span <laughs> in which he's playing, right? No There's doubt. always going to yeah, be room it, for that. That is a game power is a skill, and he ha- has shown that it plays to be at one the major of the best. level. Yeah, and if you look at just his splits this season, let's say the Cubs are able to get an infielder, a third baseman that is pretty good at hitting right-handed pitching, then the platoon for wisdom against lefties is probably even more valuable. This season, he has four homers against left-handed pitchers, and his Woba against left-handers is 392. And so he's gotten a ton of at-bats against righties just because like VR has not played out. We've had injuries in the infield. And so he's gotten 120 plate appearances against right-handed pitchers and only 42 against lefties now if you shrink that number down against righties because you do have more depth in your infield then the selective matchups are going to be more favorable for Patrick and I think that has even more value to the to the hopefully the future competitive Cubs team yeah absolutely all right so let's get into uh one of the young folks let's talk uh Christopher Morrell first and then we can okay. go into uh, someone who's joining us uh, today on Monday. Um, another really nice series for Morel. He only goes one for six in the game on Sunday, but made some really nice defensive plays in center field. One for three in the game on Saturday with two walks. Uh, he leads off both of these games and plays center field after Saturday, uh, Sunday's game, excuse me, 293 average, 884 OPS. We talked about him a lot on the live show that we did earlier in the week, but I'm, I'm really intrigued, Brendan, by the fact that he is playing in center field, being given the opportunity to lead off. There's going to be some roster stuff that has to go on. We've talked about that. Not sure what they're going to do there, um, yeah. but boy, if he is not really kind of captivating people you can see it on social media and I I I, again we talked about this on the last episode but really want to see him continue to get this shot because you want to talk about future value and kind of speeding up this timeline like a 20 he'll be 23 next in 2023 that's easy to remember like (laughs) a guy like that with speed. He's taking walks from the leadoff position. He's playing multiple positions. He's crashing into the wall, making catches. He's he's savvy. Know, he's got an he's arm. Fine. Like, let's give this guy a shot because if that's a guy yeah. you can count on going into 2023, like, again, we keep saying this, but like, this is what we're focused on. So it is a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a huge deal. Yeah. And friend of the podcast, Matt Clapp, who I feel as if we always mention. We That's like several in too. a row. Yeah. <laughs> I know. But he tweeted out today, and I think it, it, it hits home pretty well. And he said, the thing with Morrell is that being able to play solid to good defense anywhere already gives you so much value. Hypothetically, he could be a bad hitter and still have use, and he has very exciting offensive potential, as we're seeing. If it all comes together, he's a hell of a player. I mean, th- that That is a good representation of the value of defense and the value of his particular defensive skill set being in center field, shortstop, second base, and third base. Uh, I guess his best position defensively, maybe because he has more time there, or just that's what people think, is third base. So perhaps, you know, I don't know how he'll p- uh, play out against right-handed pitchers uh, here on out, but maybe when you talk about, like, wisdom in this context, maybe there's some type of, like, utility role that he can play even for third base next year. But his overall approach to me is signifying beyond just playing as like a platoon guy like his approach this year Corey 
is so surprising to me because we we've heard about Morel for a few years now, and it's always been in the context of he's this really aggressive, athletic, fast twitch guy. And this season, he's showcasing those attributes, but he's also doing so much more than what I expected and, and I believe scouts expected. I mean, the fact that he's batting leadoff, Corey, and doing so with success in terms of actual base hits and walks and seeing pitches and elongating at-bats is so impressive to me. I, I can't even believe we're seeing this from, from Morel at his age. It's still his... Chase rate is under 20%. His contact rate is over 70%. And right now, he's weighted on base average. Again, even just in a small sample size, it's 391. His WRC plus, again, 100 being average, is 151. It, this is unbelievable. And he made spectacular plays defensively in center field, especially one going over his left shoulder. Uh, in, in a ballpark, he's not familiar with whatsoever and crashing into the wall to make that uh to make that catch also too he almost threw a batter out at home it was a little bit offline to the right of the catcher but he just rifled a throw in and you see that arm strength on display as well it's it's, it, it makes you think if this type of development was unexpected by this front office and whether that changes plans for him and whether that changes plans for what you go out and do, whether it be at the trade deadline for getting pieces back for some of these pitchers that they're presumably going to trade or what you do in free agency for 2023. This this is perhaps the most significant development from a positional player point of view. We talked about the pitchers, but from a positional player point of view, I, this was not on my radar, Corey. This is unbelievable what he's doing. Right, and I, you know, again, like we've we've harped on this stuff a lot, but this is what you want to see. And we're going to get into someone. Yeah. We're, we're going to break here for an ad in a second, but this is what you want to see from the rest of this season. And like I know Hayward's been out, um, and we've again we've we've talked about this, but like at a certain point, like when Hayward comes back, like, and Ortega, Maybe Ortega has a 639 OPS. Like, what's the point? I know. You know? I know. I I, I, know. I never understood the point. Frankly, you can go back to the early season episodes and I'm already complaining about that, that stuff. But of like, Ortega or Hayward? We, we just want to like play these young guys. And, and look, if the organization feels that at some point Morel is very young and things speed up on him a little bit here at the major league level. Like, okay, fine. But that clearly is not happening at this exact moment, right? Mm-hmm. So just because he's young and has these options, so what? You know, what is the point yeah. of playing Rafael Ortega every day? Like, it, it doesn't make any sense. And so you want to keep playing these young guys. Let's see what some of these guys have and try. Try our best. Maybe we come up with a, a couple of answers. Hopefully it's more than that. But try to fill in some of the blanks as you head into this offseason before you have to try to address things via trade or with free agent money, etc. Bring these guys up. You've got four months left of this season where the stakes should not be particularly high, right? Bring up the kids. Let's have some fun. You see the energy they bring, right? And sometimes the performance to match. So, like, screw it. Let's just, like... Bring yeah. people up, see what you have. I want to watch Christopher Morell hitting home runs in Keegan Thompson starts, <laughs> right? Like, that's what I want. I Brendan. like that. 
Yeah, I like that. Okay, quick break here from our sponsor, PointsBet. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice. From the CHGO locker, if you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you out. And in case you missed it, online sign-up is available in Illinois, you can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sports book. That's easier than ever, so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, so sticking with that exact theme, uh, we do have a new mm-hmm. friend joining us on Monday, uh, I think for the doubleheader with Milwaukee, and that is one Nelson Velasquez. Nelson Velasquez, you might remember, was the MVP of this uh, Falls Arizona Fall League back in November of 2021. He is coming to the Cubs in 2022 uh, for a couple of levels. He played in uh, AA and AAA, and his overall line at both those levels uh, put up a 914 OPS. He hit 12 home runs across 150 at-bats. Uh, the number's not as good in a shorter stint at AAA, but this is a guy who had kind of been on this radar, right, Brendan, to maybe get a shot at some point just hitting a ton of home runs. Obviously, when you win the MVP of uh, a star-studded league like the Arizona Fall League, it's going to sort of put your name on the radar of everybody. Uh, But again, this goes in line with that same kind of thing I, I was just going on about. Like, bring these guys up, give them a shot at the major league level, and let's see what happens, right? 2021, uh, in the minors, he had 20 home runs. It was a a big thing, like, you know, as we were watching on, like, Cubs Twitter with a lot of those minor league uh, guys that, you know, we talk about really frequently, like, he just kept hitting home runs, Brendan, and, you know, he comes in, has a good year overall uh, in, in 2022. Why not, right? Let's have some fun. Let's see it. Let's see it. So he has 12 home runs in 173 plate appearances across AA and AAA. 79 plate appearances in AAA, 94 in AA. He's going to show immense power. We saw that during the Arizona Fall League when he won that MVP, as you said. But he's also going to show some whiffs. And it might be, maybe not to the degree Patrick showcases this, but it might be similar to what we do see with Patrick with the heavy whiffs, the heavy power. Nelson does have, in combination with AA and and AAA, a walker rate in the double digits. So it appears as if he's going to hit home runs but not do so in a hyper-aggressive manner. And you want to see guys like Nelson and Morrell and these young guys get opportunities. I When I saw that Nelson was coming up on Sunday, I, I, I was really surprised because we also saw that Clint Frazier was activated off the IL. And so I'm thinking once you have Hayward come back, like how, how are you going to make this roster work? Will we actually see like Hayward get DFA'd? Will we see like Ortega get DFA'd? Um, it's just surprising to me that we're seeing Nelson this soon, especially with him starting in Tennessee in AA and just being promoted to AAA as a few weeks ago. So it, it, it is surprising, and I'm beyond excited to see him play. And I think at this point, if you want to 
expect that he's going to be valuable for 2023, then he needs the experience to adapt against major league pitching this season and do so in a way that might end up being valuable for his adjustment period, like we saw with Patrick last year when he made the adjustments this year, which is why he's been so successful. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Um, You know, again, like there's a lot going on with the roster at the moment. Um, but I'm just intrigued to see what we have and see these guys yeah. get an opportunity. I mean, at the very least, you you get those fun moments. Like we're we're talking about Morel more long term now, and and kind of digging into what he's done over the the couple weeks that he's been up. But at the very least, you know, you call these young guys up that you've heard so much about for years. You get the opportunity for moments like we saw in Morel's first at bat, right? And that's yeah. obviously not you don't want that to be the only thing that happens with these guys or, you know, one exciting moment and then it kind of peters out. But at the very least, you know, again, like it's just, it's more fun. I think it's more fun. These guys come up, you get these opportunities for fun, wholesome, like electric kind of moments. And you don't, get that as much with, with you, don't, you don't get that with Hayward you don't, in his swing you know changes? you don't get that okay. with, with I thought you look, maybe like did. no hate to him and Rafael Ortega <laughs> but like Nelson Velasquez right. coming up and hitting a home run in his debut like that's just more fun at the very least than anything that those guys are going to provide and there's also a much more longer term yeah. angle to it you know so this is yeah for sure and he's you saw like the MLB Twitter account today showcase Christopher Morel's emotion and energy when he had that uh, go-ahead base hits, um, you know? So there is value from drawing attention to this team in a positive way when you get these guys opportunities. And so maybe you do get more opportunities with Nelson Velasquez that draws in more fans and boost viewership for marquee and everything i think there is value in an argument to be had to play them for right. that rather than actually like playing like ortega and hayward and i i think it's also a good sign of you know these are not necessary you know these are not the the top prospects these are not guys like in the top five or ten even um in terms of like cubs prospects you know if you were coming into the year or whatever, but you look at this is what you want to see, right? You're seeing so much progress in this system uh, where guys are moving up to different levels. They're being promoted to different levels, and you're graduating a bunch of them. A lot of them so far we've seen in the bullpen, uh, but seeing some on offense as well, and hopefully at some point we see some uh, in the starting rotation as well with Caleb Killian. But this is what you want to see when the system starts to be replenished and get. Uh, on a better track than it had been like we don't we don't want them to do what they did at the trade deadline last year and to be in the position that they're in now or whatever right but we're not going to relitigate at all in this moment but when you do all of that stuff the payoff is supposed to be like we've seen with other teams where a guy goes down they call someone young exciting prospect up right who has some special tool or is an all-around player whatever it is and that's not to say that any of these guys that we see are going to be stars for the Cubs in the future that all remains to be seen but this is what you want to see from a healthy prospect pipeline right where you keep graduating guys because they excel at a given level and they run out of space in the minor leagues, so you got to give it a shot, and we're starting to see the kind of trickling of that to the major league level for the Cubs here in 2022. Yeah, and I want to see, this is where the roster crunch even becomes more confusing. I'm still interested in Clint Frazier, Corey. He's still 27 years old. He won't be a free agent until 2025, and he has 
like the example with wisdom that he does what he does well exceptionally well like the same can be said about clint frazier he doesn't swing at many bad pitches whatsoever he has some of the best play discipline in major league baseball even when he's not hitting home runs and he hits the ball exceptionally hard when he makes contact which he needs to improve upon so as we talk about Christopher Morrell and Nelson Velasquez and Ian Hasman doing well and Seiya Suzuki will be back hopefully in a few days, you can't help but think at what point will they make the decision to play these guys right. more? And what I mean by that is like you may have to make uncomfortable decisions with Jason Hayward and Ortega. And I understand, especially Jed I, and yeah, Carter, call me in. I'll, I'll make the call. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's it sucks because I under I understand the leadership with Hayward and all this, and we're not going to relitigate all of this. But I, I bring this up because at this point, it's becoming more urgent than ever before because you've seen unexpected performances from from Christopher Morrell. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think we're we're on the same page here, and uh, you know, again, it just provides a, a more fun, I think, environment. Yeah. So Clint Frazier is back. He doesn't start in either of these games over the weekend against the White Sox. He did come in as a pinch runner in the game on Sunday, uh, but obviously we've talked about that a lot. Want to continue to get a look uh, at Clint Frazier. He's back, and he fits into that category. You know, he's still young and obviously has that big-time prospect pedigree that he had with the Yankees, so want to give him a shot. So as he comes back here, um, you know, again, like there, there's a lot of people we keep saying this about, so there's not unlimited plate appearances and innings in the outfield or at DH or wherever, but Frazier's back, he's healthy, and we want to see if he can kind of bring that home run power and that pop that he we know he has yep. at, to the game level at, at the major league level. So hoping he gets uh, some starts and, and really gets a chance to show what he has here. The last note is that it will be Matt Swarmer coming up for the doubleheader. So it'll be him and Drew Smiley against the Brewers here. Uh, Brendan, I know you're going to preview this Brewers series in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, interesting week here for the Cubs. This is going to be a challenge. They're back home, uh, but you have nine games in this week. You have a doubleheader with Milwaukee on Monday, and then you have a doubleheader with the Cardinals over the weekend, uh, finishing with Sunday Night Baseball against the Cardinals on Sunday. So uh, yeah. long week, a lot of baseball here uh, against uh, the two teams that are ahead of you in the division is one way to to look at that. But yeah, this is going to be a, a challenging week for the Cubs and a lot of baseball yeah. for all of us to consume. I mean, all you have all you have to do is just win every game, and then once you do that, they're back in the competitive race. So it is possible. So you know, you know just uh, don't. Well, what I'm going to say, Brendan, is that like, I know that there's a lot of you that have been listening to Brendan and I for six years, but I I think the the folks who are just hearing us uh, after joining the CHGO Cubs (laughs) podcast, I don't think, I don't know if they know whether you're being serious or not. Yeah, I, I'm, you, how do you, you know I'm not you being serious? You could at times or. give off the vibe that you might actually believe what you just said. Be optimistic. Yeah. yeah, I know. Well, listen, if you're new to this uh, to the show, um, when the Cubs start being good, like I think Corey and I are probably some of the most like pessimistic people, at least like I know. So, uh, you know, I guess just be prepared for But when that. the Cubs are good, uh, we're the most yeah. like blatantly Homer-ish that you can. Yeah, we are. Yeah, it's a very difficult uh, psyche to describe. Yeah. You'll 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 get used welcome to in. it. Um, <laughs> welcome in. 
All right, so we do have a doubleheader on Monday, Corey, at Wrigley Field. We have Ethan Small making his first start for Milwaukee, and then we have Matt Swarmer making his first start for the Cubs. Swarmer won the Cubs Minor League Pitcher of the Year Award in 2018. On the season this year in AAA, he has started five games, and he has an ERA of 2.08. He has made nine total appearances, so four of those nine were out of the bullpen. And his strikeout rate is 9.69, and his walk rate is 3.23. So it appears as if that he does get some whiffs based on that strikeout rate. So let's look for those pitches once he makes his debut for the Cubs. And then in Game 2, you have Aaron Ashby making his uh, or on the mound for Milwaukee on the year. Ashby is 0-3 with a 2.91 ERA, and then Drew Smiley pitching for the Cubs. He's 2-5 with a 4.08 ERA. That first game starts at 12:05 p.m. Central, and that second game starts at 6:40 p.m. Central. And then on Tuesday. We have Justin Steele pitching for the Cubs, hoping to rebound off that difficult start in his last outing. Steele this season is 1-5 with a 5.4 ERA. He'll be facing Lauer for Milwaukee, who's 5-1 with a 2.31 ERA. And then to finish off this four-game set on Wednesday, Milwaukee has not announced a starting pitcher as of Sunday evening, so keep tabs on that. But Kyle Hendricks will be on the mound for the Cubs. Hendricks also looking to rebound off that rough start in his previous outing. And on the season, he's 2-5 and five with a 5.2 ERA. That game starts at 7.05 p.m. Central, a normal start time. Good job, Cubs. So this will be a, a fun four-game set, perhaps. Maybe fun is not the right word, but it will be interesting uh, nonetheless. Of course, you want to see Swarmer have some success, have those cool moments um, that we've seen from so many Cubs making their debuts in years past, including this season with Morrell. The lineup, what they do with Clint Frazier, now that he's back, uh, we'll see maybe Seiya Suzuki might come back from that finger. He apparently may have been available to pinch hit in Sunday's game against the White Sox. So you might start seeing some of that roster crunch. And then the obvious one is Nelson Velasquez. Will he start? Will he just come off the bench? For how long will he be on the major league squad? And how Ross incorporates all these new guys into the lineup? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's pretty much it. I mean, I think we, we kind of covered, uh, you know, who we're looking forward to seeing and getting opportunities. I think that steel start, you know, definitely something to, to keep an eye on. Hopefully he's able to kind of... Uh, spin things the other way, but, uh, you know, we'll see. So, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what I got. This is going to be a tough week. I mean, it's, it's been a tough season. I, you know, in what you you said, this might be a fun series. I mean, okay. Yeah. When they, went all uh, yeah. Them, yeah. Um, <laughs> I look, you're, you can, you know how to clip portions of this podcast. You're more than happy to, uh, clip that if you end up being correct on that, but fun okay, would be a, a wild word, I would guess, to describe the series in a few days, but we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting week. It's, it's a lot of baseball, nine games in a week. I don't, I don't really recall. I mean, they've had weeks where they had double headers before, but I don't really recall a uh, time where they have played that much in a single week. It seems cruel, though, that it finishes with Sunday Night Baseball. Sunday Night Baseball is the worst. Um, and it's just it going to be, you know, because it's the Cardinals. I don't know if the Cardinals have been on there yet, but it's just going to be a, a, you know, a festival of, of talking about, you know, their retirement tour and whatever. It's going to be really obnoxious. So uh, if you know how to sync Pat Hughes up to your television, I would go ahead and just plan on doing that for Sunday. Uh, but 
hey, some of us are gluttons for punishment. So, you know, if that's your thing, just listen to the ESPN broadcast. Um, it'll be an interesting week. Hopefully some exciting stuff. Uh, Nelson Velasquez, Christopher Morell, etc. And as always, we appreciate your support for CHGO and the CHGO Cubs podcast. Of course, throughout the rest of the week, you'll have live shows, post-game shows, pre-game shows, etc. And don't forget to sign up to become a member at allchgo.com. And other than that, we will talk to you after the Cubs and Brewers finish things up in the middle of this week. Thank you for listening. Hope you had a good Memorial Day weekend. And as always, go Cubs.